Welcome back to another episode of Reach, Teach, Talk. This is a series of episodes with leaders in educational technology, and these episodes are geared toward helping everybody, teachers, even parents as well, and students, to shift their paradigm in terms of the move that we're all making from brick-and-mortar classroom to remote or online learning, distance learning. And Brad Rethgiver is my, my guest here today, and he is the head of school and founding head of school of One Schoolhouse, which is an online school based. Uh, it's been around for 10 years now. It's huge, and it is, it's got a student population of secondary school students, and it also runs um, a whole slew of faculty-oriented and administrator-oriented uh, seminars and classrooms, um, online courses. So because this is a unique period of time right now. As I'm recording this, we have this. a lot of schools on the West Coast are gearing up for their two-week spring break. A lot of schools on the East Coast are gearing up for returning from their two-week spring break next Monday. So we've got teachers who have just dabbled in this and are just getting their, you know, kind of their sea legs and may have questions. And we've also got teachers who have no idea in their heart and in their conscience about what this is going to involve. And there will be some anxiety, um, natural anxiety that they may be feeling. Okay. So Today we're talking about building a synchronous curriculum and the idea of using whether it's a platform like what we're using today, which is Zoom, or whether it's Google Hangouts, or whether it's just Skype or something, um, the platform matters less than the ability to connect live, and that's the synchronous platform. So Brad, thank you so much again for being with us today to help our teachers gain some confidence as they're making this move from brick and mortar to online distance learning. Happy Thanks, Ned, for, for having me uh, on today. It's, it's great to be able to connect with you, and it's great to be able to connect with uh, teachers from around the country. Just for a little bit of background, um, folks, uh, we work with about 650 schools annually um, on our student program and our professional learning program. And over the last couple of weeks, we've worked with somewhere in the neighborhood of 300 to 400 independent schools around the world um, dealing with some of these challenges that we have right now. So that's some of the kind of frame of reference point that I bring to this conversation. Um, we do have, as Nat said, three overriding principles that we suggest everybody to just keep in mind as they're designing things that are appropriate for their schools, knowing that uh, the solutions that I might be talking about today could be a little bit different for schools on a school-by-school -school basis because of things like their mission, ideally because of things like their mission, um, but also because of their school population that they're dealing with, the type of community that they have, where their students are. Um, there are a whole bunch of variables at play, but I'll try to give some general overriding uh, ideas. Um, the first of the principles is just to be calm and pause. Remember that school is not the most important thing right now, safety is. Um, and safety can look really differently in a lot of different communities. Um, and so being aware of what's going on in your, in your community um, what your students might be experiencing is particularly uh, important at this time. And students are looking to you as faculty members as that, as that kind of sense of calm in their life. You're providing them a routine um, that we know is important in a time of crisis. Psychologists will tell you that routines are incredibly important in times of crisis. The second thing is to make sure that you're being straightforward and clear. People have heightened anxiety at a time of process and cannot process information, particularly new information, as easily as they typically would be able to. So from an administrative level, this means um, thinking about solutions for your school that are as simple as possible without retraining everybody immediately um, at this time. 
And for the teachers, this means probably simplifying your curriculum down to its essence um, in a way that, uh, that you might not during the fourth quarter typically in your school. Um, so thinking about carefully what's, what is really important and essential in what I'm doing with my kids right now and what might not be. And then the third thing is to create simple solutions. We are emphasizing, perhaps even overemphasizing to schools these days, that they want to simplify everything. Um, everything that you're doing at school, just simplify it because it's gonna be much easier to create and add some complexities back in later on than it will be to take away anything that you create now. Moreover, you don't have all the answers that you may want to all of the questions that you have, be they from health officials or regulators or states or other entities out there. Um, and so you don't want to go ahead and recreate the wheel totally at school, but instead think about what your school uh, is doing uh, uh, on, a, on a regular basis and simplify that down again to its essence. Brad, what you're just saying about simplification, it, it got me thinking about something that I haven't thought of before. And that is about the timing of this situation. Um, because <laughs> I mean, I remember as a teacher and administrator, uh, the idea of fourth quarter being, this is a time that I've got to, I have to finish the curriculum. I have to complete this. I have to get this done before this set of final exams or the AP or whatnot. And the advice that you're giving is so prescient because it's the idea of, it's we need stability and you have a great quote by the way um, on your webinar which where you say a couple of times don't let don't let the perfect be the enemy of the good and is that would you would you say that that is what really we need to keep in our forefront of our minds i think there are a lot of independent school teachers that who absolutely need to keep that in the front of their minds especially independent school teachers teachers just generally um, because we're often perfectionists as teachers. We like to have things under control. We like to have the exact boxes that we kind of are used to. Um, we don't have that luxury anymore. Uh, and so really don't let the perfect be the enemy of the good. If I can, I'll give you one example of that. Um, I, we've been working with a lot of teachers about uh, who have been thinking about how am I gonna video a lesson that I can give to my kids. Um, and we'll talk more about this, I think, in a second when we talk about the difference between distance learning and online learning. But for a second, give, play with me here on this one. Um, faculty members have been thinking about kind of like, how do I record a lesson? And they've been getting frustrated when they've been trying to do it because they realize that it's really difficult to video record yourself um, and watch yourself on film for seven minutes kind of delivering a, a mini lesson. And they end up kind of recording and then re-recording and then re-recording and then re-recording and then re-recording. And it takes them like three hours to create that first seven minute lesson because they're trying to be perfect there. Moreover, guess what guys? There is probably that lesson out there from 25 or 30 or 2000 other educators. And so we're probably better off spending time uh, on something like uh, getting together video lessons for kids of curating content rather than creating content. It's the exact example of why we can't let perfect be the enemy of the good. In this case, in this moment, um, we are strongly suggesting to schools to move to distance learning, not online learning. So what's the difference there? In distance learning, you're taking the same pedagogical approach and finding its remote or online counterpart for delivering the lessons in the same way, so delivering your content and your work in your class in the same way. 
Um, online learning is very different. Online learning is what we do at one schoolhouse uh, for courses that we that we offer. And on online learning, we have totally recreated our pedagogical pedagogical approach to teaching and learning, thinking about time and space and tools and materials very differently. I will tell you that it takes six months to train a great independent school teacher who already has a growth mindset approach and wants to move to that format to be a great online teacher. Folks, we don't have six months. In many cases, we're doing this in two days. So we're suggesting to schools to move to distance learning, where again, you're just finding the remote equivalent. How this plays out then is that schools we suggest should be following basically a simplified version of their bell schedule on a daily basis so that they have uh, math instead of in room 123 in Ms. Smith's Zoom classroom. And they have English instead of in room 101 in Mr. Smith's English classroom. Does that make sense? Absolutely. So in Mr. Smith's Zoom classroom. So you're, mo you're moving to synchronous lessons um, that uh, that should be accessible to kids. This is, by the way, middle school, upper school, probably kind of going down to fourth grade. Um, uh, uh, you're moving to those synchronous lessons so that kids can also start to build that routine and have that face-to-face -face connection with their teachers. And most importantly, probably from the teacher perspective, to make sure that they're building in social emotional checkpoints with kids during each class that they have. We are strongly suggesting to teachers that when they have an asynchronous class via a platform like Zoom or Hangouts or whatever it might be, that they're taking the first 10 minutes of the class just to check in with the kids or do something fun with them. Talk to them about something great that happened in the last week or talk to them about, you know, play a game with them or do something that just that kind of helps get that framework of joy into that classroom and that online space and lets the kids net, as you know so well and articulate so well in so many other forms, lets the kids know that the teacher really cares about them and cares about them as a person um, so that the learning can start to come through too. Are there ways that this format um, can help with communication between and connection between teachers and students in ways that actually might even transcend the brick and mortar classroom? Yeah, that's a good question. It depends on how teachers are using it, right? Um, so this, this might get into kind of 2.0 stuff. So if, if we're talking about kind of how you've gotten this up and going, then you're starting to think about, well, what do I have the capability to do now that I didn't have the capability to do before? And there are some of those things. Um, and some of those might be bringing some of those asynchronous online teaching tools into our, into our classrooms a bit more. So you might be thinking about like discussion boards and, um, uh, and, and, and other things like that in a way that you ne didn't necessarily do in your face-to-face -face classroom. Um, again, we kind of see that as kind of 2.0 once you've gotten your feet wet and gotten into the classroom. Discussion boards, I'll just say, and, and Nat knows this too, um, are very good uh, in particular for introverted students. Um, it's a way to really engage an introvert in a way that is difficult to do in a live classroom. Um, and so it's almost like the companion to me of a Harkness discussion that you might have in a face-to-face -face classroom. Like have the face-to-face -face Harkness discussion and you can do that of course in these video type classrooms like, like we're talking about. Um, but then also have some online discussion boards where you can engage introverts in a different way. And, and you mentioned in your webinar also about um, the importance of checking in with your students and seeing, you know, how, how's this going so far? Um, what's the value in that, Brad? 
Yeah, you, you want to be inviting feedback, um, both on the individual classroom level, and then you, you want to encourage the administrators at your school to be inviting feedback from families, from students, et cetera, as time's going on. Um, because you're going to want to think about this almost in like two-week increments. So I've gotten up and going, and I think that I'm doing the right thing, but I don't know exactly, in the, in the tech world, they call this what the user experience is. I, I don't love that language, but I think it's kind of appropriate in this case, actually. So what is the student experience like in this environment that I've created? What are the kids saying? How are some of the other teachers in my school doing things differently? And what are the kids picking up on that they really like in some of those other classes? Just two open-ended questions uh, every couple of weeks can be really helpful. Um, what's going well? What are you liking? And what do you wish was different? doesn't mean you're going to do all the things that the kids say, but they're going to value tremendously that you're listening to them and you're responding to them and that you're probably coming back to them and saying, hey, I heard this, this, and this, and these two things we're doing, and this is, these are great, and this is why we're doing these things. This third thing we can't do, and here's why for this. So it's, it's a way to really engage kids a little bit differently than we tend to do in a face-to-face -face classroom. Although, I'll tell you, I hope that that's one of the takeaways that, that folks have when they go back to face-to-face -to -face teaching, hopefully this fall. Me too. And, and actually just this idea of checking in, Brad, makes me think about, um, you used a term earlier in the conversation about, which is growth mindset. And uh, what a great example of collective and collaborative growth mindset here, because here's the teacher saying, are you with me so far? Here's the teacher asking, how's this going so far? We're in this, for many of us, we're in this new world together. And yeah. how's it going? Let's grow together. Yeah. And I will respond, as you said, and you're, you know, I'll respond this way. I'll do this. I won't do this, whatever. But it is this idea that we're learning and we're on this voyage together. Um, and wrapping up, is there any advice you can give to teachers in terms of, look, they've been in the same classroom for two-thirds of the year, right, assuming full-year courses, and they've had two-thirds two of the year to build relationships, connect with their students, to build trust, to, but all in the sense of creating a classroom ethos. Is there any, any examples you can think of of teachers or schools where, you know, they've used certain strategies that have enabled them to do this um, in, in a pretty deep way. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I think inviting that feedback is, is certainly key. Another lesson, I probably should have mentioned this before, Nat, you mentioned some East Coast schools are just going back um, next week. And so if you're in a school that has not yet gone to this format, one of the things we suggest to do on the first day back in this new format is to reset ground rules and to invite kids into the process of what ground rules look like in your class um, given this new set of circumstances. So just those, those types of things you do on that first day of class, um, often we're kind of inviting kids in to, to create what the, what, the, um, what the ground rules are for our discussions and to make sure that we're creating community as a class together. Do that type of thing um, in the first class back if, uh, and take the time to do that. Um, that will be helpful for you as you go along. And then again, maybe you revisit those ground rules after two weeks because you've realized that you need to change a few things. Um, so that's, that's, you know, it's, it's almost like, oh, of course I need to do that, but we aren't necessarily in that mode. It goes to kind of just this though, be calm and pause, you know, just, just be straightforward and clear and create super, super simple solutions for kids um, in this environment, uh, uh, including um, doing things perhaps that may not feel, you might not feel like you have to do again, but it can be good to just check in and it gives the kids kind of a sense of calm and, and grounds them nicely. That's excellent. Don't let perfection be the enemy of the good. 
that's absolutely wonderful. And um, for the viewers out there, I'm going to make sure that there's a link up to the webinar that Brad and I are referring to um, through the One Schoolhouse website. And on that link also are visuals of a sample school schedule, uh, what Brad was mentioning earlier about how you can make the school, the familiarity of the school day, how you can apply it to the, the world of this new world of learning. So um, all of that's gonna be very, very helpful. Plus they have an incredible section on their website that specifically is about articles and ways of handling and strategizing for school leaders and teachers during the COVID-19 situation. So Brad Rathgiver, thank you very, very much from One Schoolhouse. Thank you so much for your time today uh, with this podcast. My pleasure. Good luck, everybody. Thank you.